You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12s and Jets fans. It's time for another Locked On Podcast Network crossover special. Week 17, hard to believe we're already that deep into the season. Two games left to play, and the Seahawks and Jets both have plenty to play for, both barely hanging on to their playoff lives, heading into an elimination game at Lumen Field. I'm Corbett Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast. Joining me for today's crossover, John Butchko of Locked On Jets. We've got a ton to get to. Before we get to our key matchups and our key storylines and everything else we need to dive into for this Week 17 matchup, this crossover special is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is so much fun. It's easy to play. No competing with other players, just you versus the projections available. Pick two to five players. If they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. It can be literally or take literally less than 60 seconds to enter. It's that easy. We love prize picks, and we know you will too. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. All right, John, this game, there's a lot riding on it for both the Seahawks and the Jets. And I guess I'll ask you first, how was your holidays? It was great, Corbin. I'm in San Diego with family. I think I was in the one place in America where we had nice weather. Um, we got to family got to dine outdoors Christmas Eve. We uh, we had to turn the air conditioner on Christmas Day. It was so hot. So I think relative to everybody else, at least weather wise, I'm doing well. Unfortunately, on my first night out here, I had to watch the Jets lose Thursday night football to the Jacksonville Jaguars. But aside from that, it was it was a very nice holiday. And I, I was telling you before we started recording, you know, I was out here last year as well for the holidays. West Coast football, man, it's it's amazing. You know, I, I grew up on the East Coast. I spent my entire life on the East Coast, where you have to wait all morning for the first kickoff, and then by the time Sunday night football's over, you, you have, you're ready for bed. Whereas out here, you wake up, the games aren't that far. You know, maybe waited hour or two for the for the first kickoff Sunday night football is over you can you know you still have time to do something at night it's it's great it's an amazing experience west coast football west coast nfl i wish i had i wish i had found out about it sooner yeah i grew up in indiana myself and i do not miss eastern time zone just for sports in general like i remember the ncaa tournament games getting done at like three in the morning and it was miserable and you don't have to deal with that living on the West Coast, but the weather's not going to be quite as nice in Seattle on Sunday at Lumen Field as what you're probably experiencing in San Diego. Nonetheless, this is a game with very high stakes, both Seahawks and Jets at seven and eight, a game under 500. And really both teams are trending the same direction. They have not been playing well the last month and a half. The Seahawks losing five of their last six games. The Jets have really struggled. They've had a number of quarterbacks that have been playing for them. But I'm sure that's the biggest storyline for the Jets going into this game. Zach Wilson's not going to be starting this game. Jets fans throwing confetti in the air. Mike White back in the lineup. Just how big of a deal is that for the Jets? Going elimination. Imagine saying back in September that we'd be throwing confetti in the air that Mike White is starting a game over Zach Wilson. It, it's just amazing to me because at the start of the year, Zach Wilson – was the guy for this year, and he was the guy for next year at least. And I've said this on Locked On Jets. If you had told me at the beginning of this season that there was a scenario where 
the Jets were in the playoff mix. I could have believed you. If there was a, if you told me there was a scenario, scenario where Zach Wilson could be benched, I'd believe you. I'm just not sure I would have believed you that both of these things could happen at the same time. Yeah. It felt like, you know, when you have a second year quarterback, he, you know, can kind of controls the fate of your team, but that's not really the case. Zach Wilson struggled even when the Jets were winning games. They had a four game winning streak earlier this season. He played very well in one the first game of that streak. Uh, he led the Jets to a, actually led the Jets to a comeback victory in Pittsburgh, but he it's been shaky. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It's been uh, it's been up and down, and it's been mostly down. And I think one of the problems with Zach Wilson is when he plays poorly, he just destroys any chance you have of winning. When he plays well, he you know he's just kind of okay. He's a guy who in retrospect, really should not have been starting as early as he did. He's a, he's a developmental quarterback. So in comes Mike White, and he's missed the last two games. The Jets lost both of those games with Wilson under center. Mike White comes in. Look, he's not the most physically gifted guy in the world. He doesn't have a ton of mobility. He's not really able to elude pressure all that well. His arm's okay. You know, last year was funny. Last year, I didn't think he had much of an arm. And this year, the arm looks better. He is, it looks like a... You know, not a great arm, an NFL caliber arm, but not not the arm talent Zach Wilson has. But what he does, Corbin, is he goes in and he knows how to run the offense. That's one of the I think the biggest one of the biggest reasons Zach Wilson was benched for the Jets is his inability to just get the ball where it needs to go. Offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur, he's Matt LaFleur's brother. He coached under Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco for a number of years. He runs a system that you know gets guys open. And it's really just about identifying, you know, your progression, who the guy needs to, who needs to get the ball. Another thing, Mike White, you got to give him this. And I know, look, everybody in the NFL is tough. I don't want to overdo this, but he played a game against Buffalo where he got, he got hit a lot. And he actually had to leave the game and go to the locker room. And Tony Romo was calling the game on CBS. And Tony Romo, when he went to the locker room, said, well, this guy's done. He's, he's not coming back to the game. And, you know, say what you will about Tony Romo. He knows what it's like to have to leave the field after taking a big hit. That's an area where Tony Romo has a tremendous amount of credibility. But White came back in that game playing in tremendous pain. In fact, it was an injury that forced him to sit out the next two games because he wasn't medically cleared. So I think like something like that kind of got the team to rally around him. It, or maybe more, more, more illustrated why the team has rallied around him. Because it feels like and this is nothing anybody's told me explicitly. It feels like in the locker room to me right now, he's the guy they believe in. You know, Zach Wilson may have been the number two overall pick, but the guys in the locker room, they think Mike White's their quarterback. And again, I, I, I think about like what the version of me two months ago would think hearing me say this today at the end of December, but that's where things are. And with Mike White on this team, it's just a different vibe. It's a, the offense has been much better with White under center. You know, with with White under center, the numbers suggest the Jets are you know middle of the pack, even maybe slightly above average as an offense this year. Whereas with anybody else a quarterback, it's been a bottom of, of the league offense. So Jets can move the ball, and I don't want to make Mike White out to be you know the next great quarterback in this league. I don't want to make him out to be a guy who's going to get a gold jacket at the end of his career. But he just has this offense functioning at a higher level than Zach Wilson or Joe Flacco did. Now, Corbin, let me ask you what's going on with Seattle. I, I know it's kind of funny because the last couple of weeks I've had the, the Detroit Lions and I've had the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the discussion has been that, well, these are two two surprising teams, but they're heading in different directions. You know, the Jets were on their way down, Detroit and Jacksonville were on the way up, whereas 
I feel like we're kind of in the same place, the Jets and Seattle. Both teams surprising, both teams in the playoff mix when they weren't expected to be, but both teams maybe not playing so well down the stretch of the season. Yeah, the Seahawks just have not been able to put everything together the last six games. They've been competitive. Their five losses, I believe four of them have been in single digits. Um, They've had chances to win all those games, but they had a few games where they couldn't stop the run to save their lives. Teams were able to hold on to the football for 39, 40 minutes, and it was the recipe Pete Carroll wants his offense to do, but other teams have been doing it to them. The offense was putting up points, and then the last two games – against the 49ers and the Chiefs, the offense has suddenly gone cold. Of course, of course, everybody is pointing fingers at Geno Smith right now with the Seahawks fan base saying, oh, this is Geno's fault. When, if you watch the tape, I don't feel like Geno Smith is playing any worse than what he was at the beginning of the season. The factors around him, though, have changed. The offensive line has become a sieve. They are giving up pass uh, pressure pretty much every time Geno Smith drops back, especially the first half against the Chiefs the other day. 49ers were all over Geno Smith. He doesn't have time to go through his reads, and he's not able to step into his throws. He's thrown on his back foot a lot. I think there's been some bad habits that have developed because of the offensive line play. They can't run the football. They finally got over that hump the second half against the Chiefs. On Saturday, they're hoping they can carry that over to this game against a very good Jets defense, but they've not been able to run the ball to complement Geno Smith. They've had injuries. The good news is it sounds like Tyler Lockett is trending towards being available in this game less than two weeks after having a broken bone in his left hand surgically repaired. He's already catching passes at practice pain-free, so he's got a very good chance to play this weekend, and that would be a huge boost to this offense, but They've just been unable to put points on the board the last couple of weeks. They've moved the ball. They just can't finish drives. Some of that's on Geno, but I think the other factors around him have really prevented him from having the success that he did early in the season. And there's still been some very good plays out there on the field. He just needs a little bit more support. He has been a top 10 quarterback almost all season. Like you said with Mike White, if you would have told me that three months ago, hey, Geno Smith's going to be a Pro Bowl quarterback and going to be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, I would have laughed hysterically because I was higher on him than most people. But I just thought he's going to be a serviceable, maybe 20th overall starter, a guy that you can maybe win some games with as long as he's not turning the football over. He has vastly exceeded all of those expectations, even if his play has leveled off just a little bit the last couple of weeks. He's going to be looking to complete the revenge trifecta. He's already beaten the Chargers and the Giants this year. Now he's got a chance to beat the Jets, which would really cap off what has been a remarkable season for him, reviving his career unlike anybody could have foreseen going into this season. I got to give him so much credit because I I thought he was going to be out of the league after he left the Jets. I did not think he'd last that long. I have so much, I just can't get over how well he's played. And, you know, you got to, I tip my cap to him because it's, 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 it's one of the stories of the year in the NFL, the way this guy sat, sat around eight years working on his craft, the the improvement. I mean, he's such a different player from when he was with the Jets. I, I'm so happy for him. I think it's just a remarkable story. And, you, you know, you said, you said yourself, you know, I'm in the same boat. Like I watched Gino those first couple of years with the Jets, and in fairness to him, he was put in an impossible situation. But I real, I never thought he'd play like this. It's, it's just awesome. I'm so happy. I, I just love seeing something like this. Yeah, and as a Jets host, I'm sure you're hoping that he has another down game this Yo, weekend. Yes. <laughs> you're happy for him. Gino, Gino play, play great, dad. play great week 18 this week. <laughs> this week, <laughs> take your take it a little easy on your former team. Yeah, I think that's going to be one of the big storylines here. There, you, you know, Seahawks and Jets, even though these teams don't play each other very often, they're 
are a lot of former Seahawks that are on the Jets. There are a lot of former Jets on the Seahawks. And there's just a lot of ties between these two franchises. And I have a feeling that Sunday there might actually be a little bit of bad blood out there just because of it being a revenge game for so many players on both teams. They're going to downplay it in public conversation. But I just have a feeling, you know, Pete Carroll still remembers his tenure with the Jets. Geno Smith still remembers his tenure with the Jets. The Jets have a number of guys the Seahawks decided to let go, including DJ Reed, who's having a phenomenal season for the Jets. But you know what? Tariq Woolen's been pretty good. Seattle's been able to get by at the cornerback position without DJ Reed. And so you've just got a lot of storylines, intricate ones with just players who have played for the other team going into this AFC NFC out of conference matchup coming up on Sunday. We're going to get to some key matchups coming up next for the Jets and Seahawks. Some on offense for the Jets and Seahawks, as well as defense. We'll get to those coming up next as we head towards our big game on Sunday. You're listening to the crossover special here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is releasing a slate of new football podcasts that we're sure you're going to love. That's why you'll be able to find an episode from the league available as a bonus episode on Locked On NFL, narrated by Super Bowl champion and legendary smack talker Richard Sherman, as well as sports broadcaster and rising star Taylor Rooks. The league is an eight-part docuseries about the most bizarre, inspirational, and unlikely stories connected to America's favorite sport, pro football. You won't want to miss these untold stories spanning from the 1940s to the present. Our bonus episode is called The We of the Cowboy, and it is an incredible story of how the 1977 Dallas Cowboys brought in Bruce Lee's protege to teach their defense martial arts, ushering in a new approach to the way the league trained. Each story offers equal parts history, entertainment, and social commentary. Head on over to Lockton NFL for a bonus episode of the league or catch the full series wherever you get your podcast. It's available now on Audible. Audible, get in the game. You're listening to a crossover special here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for today's crossover, John Butchko of Locked On Jets. Thanks to all the 12s and Jets fans out there for making Locked On Seahawks and Locked On Jets your first listen five days a week. John, this matchup, we've talked about it already. It's a critical one for both of these football teams. Basically, this is an elimination game. If the Seahawks lose, they're not mathematically eliminated, although if the Commanders or the Packers win, their playoff chances are out the window. They can't afford to lose this game. The same goes for the Jets. A ninth loss would all but seal their fate, missing the playoffs for another season. It's been a long time since the Jets have been in the playoffs. So clearly, this is one of the most intriguing games going into the weekend, and yet you've got two teams that are both limping going into this game and haven't had a lot of success Looking at the Jets on offense, what are some matchups that you're focused in on going against this Seahawks defense that's been a roller coaster this season? You know, the one I have my eye on, it's going to be in the slot. Um, it's Elijah Moore against Kobe Bryant. Now, Kobe Bryant's college teammate, Sauce Gardner, was a top five pick by the Jets this year. He's had an outstanding season. The reason I look at that is Elijah Moore, second-year receiver out of Mississippi, having a very disappointing second season. In fact, there was some ugliness back in October where he was upset that he wasn't getting the ball enough. He made a trade request. The Jets deactivated him for a game. They brought him back into the fold. It's not been the year anybody's been looking for. Last season, around this time, or it's a little bit earlier because he missed the last couple of games, but the in the, the November time frame, he, he put together a, a series of stellar games and it had people going into the offseason thinking like, this is going to be our number one receiver. This is going to be a thousand yard guy. It just has not worked out yet. But 
there was a catch. He's had really good chemistry when Mike White's been in the lineup the last two years. And I think that this is the type of guy they'll look for. I think getting him matched up against a rookie in the slot, Kobe Bryant, that could be an area that I think the Jets could look to exploit. Jets need to get their passing game going. You know, the, the run games also struggled the last couple of weeks, but I think the two might be connected. I think it's, you know, it's difficult when other teams don't have to respect the pass. And frankly, I mean, I, I hate to be this critical, with Zach Wilson in the lineup, other teams really did not have to respect the threat of the pass with the Jets. Whereas when White was playing quarterback, the run game was going. So I think the Jets maybe will lean into the pass a little bit more this week to try and set up their run game. But that's where that's where I'm looking. I think that that's an area. If the Jets win this game, I would not be surprised if we look back and said, you know, this was a pretty good game out of Elijah Moore going up against Kobe Bryant in the slot. And Brian, as good as he has been for most of his rookie season, he is not the athlete that Moore is. And so there is an athletic advantage there if the Jets are able to take advantage of it in the passing game. For the Seahawks on offense, I mentioned it earlier, and this has been a talking point. I'm sure my listeners, they're tired of hearing about it because I've been talking about it ad nauseum for three or four weeks. But the offensive line has been so poor during this losing streak they've had where they haven't been able to win at home. They've lost five out of six games. I think the biggest difference between the six and three start and what we've seen from this team over the last month and a half has been the disappointing regression from this offensive line, in particular in the interior. Austin Blythe has had a really rough second half at the center position. They don't have a right guard right now. Phil Haynes, I was hoping, could take advantage of the snaps. He's been getting rotating in with Gabe Jackson and maybe steal that job and be a long-term guy. He just struggled. Gabe Jackson looks old. He's got a beat-up knee. And at left guard, Damian Lewis has been solid, maybe their most consistent offensive lineman, but he hasn't been anything spectacular. That group has been dealing with a murderer's row of interior rushers, and now they're going to have to deal with Quinn and Williams. And that worries me because Geno Smith, one of the big issues the last couple games, Chris Jones was able to do it this past weekend, the game before, Eric Armstead, and a couple of other guys for the 49ers. They were getting immediate interior pressure, and it was giving Geno Smith absolutely no chance to be able to get the football out to his receivers. He took some sacks. He took some big hits. He was throwing off his back foot, made some questionable decisions that he hasn't been making for most of the season. The pressure coming from the interior has really been the number one reason for that. And having to deal with another really talented defensive tackle who's having a great season in Quentin Williams that really worries me going into this football game just because of the state of that interior offensive line. I think it's one of the clear areas they have got to address season. Coming Broncos, you might want to use at least a pick or two of that to bolster that interior offensive line. The rookie tackles have been fine, uh, but the guards and the center have really struggled down the stretch here and not going to be any easier against this really good Jets defensive line, in particular Quinnen Williams, who can dominate in the interior. I'll give you another matchup on that side of the ball that I'm going to be interested in. I think it's going to be DK Metcalf versus DJ Reed. And you know, I prepared for this and about halfway through the first segment, you know, I, I prepare for this because I'm going to give, tell everybody all about DJ Reed. And then about halfway through the first segment, it occurred to me, wait, everybody on Seattle, the Seattle side knows about DJ Reed. They know who he is. You know, Great I think, player. Yeah. Absolutely. He's been phenomenal. He's been an outstanding uh, sign, free agent signing for the Jets. You know, Sauce Gardner, the fourth overall pick, gets most of the publicity, but DJ Reed has been almost as good. Uh, it's, it's looked, you know, I, I've studied the film. I've looked at some of the numbers. It looks like DK Metcalf lines up more on the left side of the formation than the right side. The Jets aren't a team that tries to fool you a lot. They're not a team that really varies its scheme from week to week. 
they're a team that just kind of goes out. They do what they do, and they say, you know, go out and try and beat us. So based on where DK Metcalf goes most of the time, it's going to be a real treat to watch him play against Sauce Gardner. But I think based on the way the Jets align their corners, you're going to see DK Metcalf more against DJ Reed. And as you guys know, DJ Reed's a guy who may be a little small. He plays bigger than he than his than his frame, but you know, DK Metcalf's a really big guy. So I think that that's a, that's an area that that really concerns me from a Jets standpoint. Because I, I think that D, I trust DJ Reed against almost every receiver in the league, but there comes a point where the guy, the guy just might be too big for you. And you know, I look at this, and I have total faith in this Jets defense. It's been outstanding all year long. It's been one of the best defenses in the league. But when I was looking for matchups that maybe worry me a little, little bit, that's the one. It's just purely based on size. And there again, I DJ Reed's big plays bigger than he than he than he measures. But that's one. This might just be a tough matchup for him. I think. Yeah, that is one that I'm very intrigued by just because those two went against each other on the practice field for the last couple of years. They know each other very well. A lot of respect between the two of them. And DJ Reed does play much bigger than his size. But DK is one of those freaks at his size that can cause problems for all corners. And he's got over a thousand yards for the second time in three years. So he's had a really good season catching passes from Geno Smith. And so that is going to be a matchup that's enticing. When I look at the Seahawks on the defensive side of the football, Speaking of former Seahawks, this is a game where I think it's going to boil down to, can you make Mike White uncomfortable? Can you take advantage of the fact that he is a plotter? He is not overly mobile, not a guy that's going to beat you with his legs. Can you get pressure on him like the Buffalo Bills did, where you're able to hit him over and over again? And I think that's going to fall on the edge guys. And they're going against George Fan and Dwayne Brown, two guys that started a number of games for the Seahawks. George Fant was their sixth lineman that was very important running the football in 2018. He was out there as much as the other five linemen. He basically took over as their pseudo tight end. He's a really solid player. Dwayne Brown had some really good years in Seattle. Getting to be a little bit older player, but still a very solid tackle. Can Daryl Taylor and Uchenna Nwosu, who leads the team with nine sacks, and Boye Mafe, can those edge rushers – find a way to get some heat on Mike White and maybe force him into some bad decisions. Because I think that's the one thing I've noticed. It hasn't been evident this year with Mike White, but when he played last year, he was more than willing to throw the ball into double and triple coverage when he was getting pressured. That hasn't been as evident this season. He's made improvements in that regard. But when you're not a mobile quarterback and you're getting the heat turned up on you, it's going to be much more likely that you're going to uncork some bad throws. And the Seahawks, up until a few weeks ago, were one of the best teams in the league at creating turnovers. If they can get some pressure off the edge against George Fant and Dwayne Brown and get after Mike White, he's not a guy that's going to beat you with his legs. He's not going to extend plays very often. If they can do that, I think that is going to be crucial to this game. If they're not able to get pressure off the edge, though, the Jets have an opportunity to do with a lot of other teams have done this year. And even though Seattle's got plenty of talent in the secondary, if you've got time to throw, receivers are going to come open, especially with the receiving talent the Jets have on their roster, the athletes they have on the outside. I think that that is the number one key for the Seahawks there. How do their edge rushers play in this game? And against the run, can they set the edge as well? Both those tackles can run block coming from Seattle. So can they set the edge? That has been an issue all year for the Seahawks. So I'm looking at the outside linebackers in this 3-4 defense. Can they get the job done in this game? If not, this could be a very difficult one against a tough physical Jets team. They don't score a lot of points, but if you're not getting after the quarterback, they've still got a chance to do some damage against a defense that's been very up and down this season. We're going to get to our keys to victory and some predictions coming up next to close out our crossover Thursday special. We'll be right back. 
This episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season and basketball to the World Cup. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell, your coworkers can tell, and your parents can certainly tell. Everyone can tell. So what makes you think law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. You're listening to Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got a big game coming up between the Seahawks and Jets at Lumen Field. I'm Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast. Glad to be joined by John Butchko, host of the Locked On Jets podcast. Thanks to all the 12s and Jets fans out there for making Locked On Seahawks and Locked On Jets your first listen five days a week. All right, John, we've got this big matchup coming up at Lumen Field. We've talked about the stakes here. Both teams clinging barely to their playoff lives, looking to stay alive with two games left to play. So both teams have an incredible amount of pressure on them to win this weekend. The Jets are going to be making the trip to Seattle, and typically that is a dreaded trip, but the Seahawks have actually lost four games at Lumen Field this year. They've been a better road team than at home. The mystique of playing in front of the 12s, it's not what it used to be. That being said, it is still a loud environment. Looking at what the Jets need to do here to get back in the win column and keep the Seahawks in their free fall, maybe eliminate them from the playoffs completely, What do you think are the keys for the Jets going into this game? Well, at the risk of sounding like a generic studio host, um, number one is they got to come out with more intensity than they came out with last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. That was a team that with a game where it felt like their season was on the line. They came out very flat. They did not execute in any phase of the game. Now, they they got lucky because I, I said I thought after that game and I said it on Lockdown Jets I thought it was the season was over and fortunately for the Jets week sixteen pretty much everything broke their way that kept them in the playoff race so this team very well could be finished they they just have to come out and play with more intensity than they did a week ago so that's number one you know number two you hit the nail on the head in the last segment you know you talked about the Seahawks generating pressure off the edges is critical Jets need to protect Mike White if the Jets can keep Mike White on his feet. He can hit the three. You know, he can hit every throw they need him to hit. The question is that whether they can do that though, because this year George Fant he had an outstanding 2021. He's not having the same kind of season this year. Now he had to flip from left tackle to right tackle to accommodate Dwayne Brown. He's also been banged up. You know, I actually had him on Lockdown Jets a few weeks ago. He said he was fine. He's been playing hurt though this year. I think he's been. I think he's been playing hurt this year. Um, so I think keeping Mike White up is critical because, as I said, the Jets haven't run the ball effectively the last couple of weeks, but I think that's been related to their struggles in the passing game. I think if the Jets are able to hit some passes early on, it could open things up. It could make it a little bit easier to run the ball. And, you know, on defense, just keep doing what you're doing. The Jets have had one of the best defenses in the league this year. So I think that, you know, I mentioned the, the Reed versus Metcalf matchup that scares me. 
aside from that, I think the Jets can hold their own in these matchups. You know, you can never rule rule out, you know, somebody having a bad game or somebody having an out of context game. They'll obviously have to slow down Kenneth Walker, who's you know really an outstanding back, a guy I had my eye on for the Jets, and Jets ended up taking Brees Hall, who's injured, but was you know was also having a great season. But for the defense, you know, the Jets have been really good. I mean, Jets Jets have given Josh Allen trouble twice. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter who they've played. They've done a good job. So I think on the defensive side of the ball, just keep doing what you're doing. I look at the Seahawks going to this game, and I'm going to be real simple on offense. You have got to find a way to stop shooting yourself in the foot, Plaxico Burris style on offense on first and second down. That has been killer for this football team. On Saturday, they had 18 plays that were not sacks or penalties that went for zero yards or less on first and second down. It is really hard to put together a solid day on offense when you are getting stuffed on first and second down at that frequency. And that has been a problem for this football team throughout this slump where they've lost five out of six games. So can you find a way to carry over that run game that you got going in the second half against Kansas City? Kansas City is not the Jets in terms of defense. The Jets are a much stouter defense overall. They're better against the run, much better in the scoring department. But you got to find a way to have that run game continue to play better in this matchup against the Jets. If you can do that early down, eliminate the negative plays that have been putting them behind the sticks consistently, that's just going to put Geno Smith in a much better position. You put any quarterback in third and 10 or longer 70% of the time, they're not going to be successful most of the time. I mean, your Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allens of the world are going to have low success rates in those situations. That's why Geno's numbers have regressed. Can you get better production on your first and second downs on offense? If they can do that, it's going to have a domino effect. You're going to have a better third down conversion rate because you have more ideal third down situations. Maybe you get some first downs on first and second down, which they've really struggled to do the last five or six games. It just opens up the whole playbook and it allows you to finish drives. They just haven't been able to sustain drives being kicked off the field on third down. They were two for 14 the other day against Kansas City. Getting Tyler Lockett back would help that immensely, but they have got to play better on first and second down. And on defense, I'm sticking with what I said in the second segment. To me, this boils down to the pass rush. Tariq Woolen and Mike Jackson on the outside have both had really solid season, particularly Woolen. I'm not worried about them being able to cover the Jets receivers necessarily, but if Mike White has time in the pocket, it's not going to matter. The Seahawks can't turn up the heat on a quarterback that isn't mobile, is not going to be a threat with his legs, and they're able to make him uncomfortable, speed his clock up a little bit, maybe force him into some bad throws. If they can't make that happen, and they've been so up and down rushing the passer this year, if they have a down game in that regard and they're not able to take advantage of some of the injuries the Jets have had in their offensive line, I think that that is truly the biggest difference maker. If they can get consistent pressure, I like their chances of being able to create a few turnovers and at home that should be able to catapult them to a victory against a team that doesn't score a lot of points. But if they allow the Jets to have a bunch of prolonged drives and finish them, it's going to be a long afternoon, especially playing against a Jets defense that doesn't give up a lot of points. All right, prediction time here, John. Now, I typically on these crossover Thursdays don't dish out score predictions, but this has been an odd week in terms of the betting game. The Seahawks were initially a one-and-a-half-point favorite, and then Mike White is cleared to play. Suddenly the Jets are a slight favorite to win this game at Loman Field. So I'm going to dish it over to you. I open the segment up, and, and I make it pretty much a, a free-for-all. 
You can give a score prediction. You can give me just a general prediction for the game. Uh, you can give me a prediction for a player. What is a prediction or two you've got going into this matchup on Sunday? Oh, man. Yeah, I've been picking the Jets every week, and it's been coming back to bite me. So I, I appreciate you giving me the out to not make a score prediction. Um <laughs> How about the, you know, I think Mike White, you know, he's thrown for 300 yards in two of his three starts this year. How about he throws for another 300 yards? We'll, we'll stick with that. We'll stay away from the score predictions because they've been nothing but bad to me lately. And if Mike White does that, it'll be almost 70 more passing yards than Patrick Mahomes had against the Seahawks last week. So as bad as this defense has been, their pass defense has been decent most of the season. They have given up some explosives. There's been a few games that have given up 300 plus passing yards, but um uh, this is certainly a game where maybe that changes if the Seahawks load up trying to stop the run and the Jets take advantage of it with the speed they have on the outside. Uh, I'm going to make a prediction that's going to stun some of the listeners here for both teams probably, but I think that there are going to be more quarterback hits than total points scored in this game. I think the Seahawks are going to be able to get after Mike White, and unfortunately – I think that the Jets are going to have no problem getting after Geno Smith, who was a second-round pick for them back in 2013. I'm not worried at all about the Jets being able to find their way back there. So I don't know what that tally looks like in the end, but I think both teams are going to dish a lot of punishment on their quarterbacks, and I don't think that there's going to be a lot of points scored in this football game with the way Seattle's offense has been playing. The Jets are not an offensive juggernaut either. I just think this is going to be a low-scoring affair where any turnovers that happen are going to be magnified because teams are not scoring a lot of points. And I think it's in this match. The games actually excite me if that's how it plays out at Lumen Field. Well, Corbin, i got to give us credit. You did not hear of any Testaverde once from me, and I didn't hear anything about Brett Favre in the snow from you. These teams play, these teams play in December. They play some infamous games, don't they? Oh god, uh, Yeah, well, this is going to be this is going to make it the Seahawks. The Jets are the only team that they have played in every month in the regular season calendar. Even their divisional teams haven't done that. So they've played every single month, and they just have weird games. That's right. Oh, you, that's right. It's not. It's. I forgot. It's not going to be December. It's going to be New Year's Day. It's going to be January. I. So it's got a chance so, to be even more bizarre. Yeah, with the calendar flipping over to twenty twenty three. Seahawks are going to be hoping to open the new calendar with a win, as will the Jets. Both teams looking to keep their playoff hopes alive. John, it's been a pleasure. Looking forward to this game. Obviously, a lot at stake for both teams and really the seasons hanging in the balance for both respective franchises should be a good one. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbett Smith NFL. I don't believe John actually has a Twitter account, so you can just follow him on locked on jets and make sure that you're listening to the show five days a week, as well as locked on Seahawks. You can listen to both of our blue Friday or in your case, I don't know what you call it, but our Friday episode coming up tomorrow as we, finish preparation for this upcoming game. Thanks for listening, 12s and Jets fans. Enjoy the rest of your week. Go Hawks, go Jets.